Hello and welcome to the Drunken Fan. Uh, nope. Drunken Fan Podcast, your home for all things DFW sports, yes, even soccer. This week, we're talking Mavs news, Rangers taking my shit talk personally, the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl, and the fighting Dallas Kiverlandas. I'm your host, Mal, and joined by... Still Cameron Massey. How are you, buddy? I'm doing okay. You know, as I said, the Cowboys won the Super Bowl, so that's, I mean, football season's over now, right? Let's hope not. <laughs> Let's hope not. Because if, 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 if this last Sunday was any kind of uh, premise to how this season's going to go, this is going to be a really exciting season. for Not just for the Cowboys, uh, but for the entire NFL. There's a lot of storylines that we won't be covering, obviously. We'll be covering the uh, very impressive, actually, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and I know a lot of people have uh, their opinions on it, whether it's good or bad. I will be viewing this as more of an optimistic way. And we'll we'll get there later on, but uh, let's hope that the season isn't finished because it's just it's laid out in front of us for a really great season. So hopefully it can keep going. Yeah, I mean, I, like I, I've said multiple times, I don't really pay close attention to the NFL, but now I guess I have to. Uh, and I kept kept catching the game, and we'll talk about it later. But there's a lot there's a lot to be excited about. I think so too, and uh, probably a few things that once again I'll say some stuff, and people might think that I'm crazy for saying it but still that's why I have a microphone and you don't so let's see uh let's see how our opinions if they contrast or if they are very similar it'll be fun to get there but first let's go ahead and get going with uh the Mavericks once again we'll start with them just because they not a whole lot of news really even on the uh NBA front too much just their playoffs are still going and but the Mavs they're there they did name a lot along with the NHL today uh is giving out all the end of season awards and stuff this past week Luca was named to the 2019-2020 all NBA team Luca he was joined by LeBron James Anthony Davis James Harden and Gainis LeBron James. I have his last name written out. I just to think that maybe I'd try to pronounce it. I have no it's, idea. It's Giannis. But yeah, it's Giannis. What did I say? Gainus. Giannis. I'm so sorry. I've always I always have a problem. Like, and this time I'm not gonna mess up C D Lamb's name. Like I do it every week. And I made sure that I practiced it. And then I call Just just think outdated audio. Mm, okay. Okay. Well, there's the top five right there, and I don't think that that surprises anyone, especially not just with Luca being named on it, but I think that the, the, the others, those yeah. are the top five guys in the NBA easily. So good, good on the NBA for recognizing the true starting lineup for the All NBA team and and picking it, picking it pretty uh, pretty accurately. I think. Yeah, I think it was a pretty straightforward selection that year. I mean, this year, you know. <clears throat> The uh, final thing here, uh, really for awards with Luca, he finishes fourth in the NBA MVP voting, oh, which really? he, yeah, he finished actually ahead of Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis, which those are two uh-huh. really big names there that 
you kind of look at him and they've been really big names for a long time in this league. And Luca has in his second season has now passed them in the votings for MVP. Of course he, well, just, I mean so far once, but you know, maybe he'll keep it up. Maybe he won't, but already in his second year, he's, he's put his name up there with these established players. So, and rightfully so. Like, there's no one on the face of the planet that has any sort of brain would try and argue against that. So, I mean, it's right. it, so th- that that's what makes it even more incredible is that you look at that and you don't you don't think, whoa, that's really ballsy of the NBA to kind of right. come out and put <clears throat> this young guy in here who's not established in the top echelon of the NBA players. Right. Yeah. And but no one no one's questioning it. So here's some here's some little fun. Uh, and obviously, Giannis won it. <laughs> Uh, but but he finished behind James Harden and Giannis. And this is kind of like one of those things where maybe this is ushering in a new era because it was for a long time there. It was like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Like those were the guys. And over the last 10 plus years, those have been the guys. But now you've got Luka kind of coming in and Giannis coming in. And like it, like the, the, a new era of NBA basketball is starting to kind of rear its head. And people have been calling for change for a long time. Because it was fun with the Lakers and the Celtics back in the day whenever they were constantly seeing each other in the finals because there was no free agency back then. Uh, like The teams were the teams, and you had to build from within for the most part. And that's what made that so much fun. But whenever LeBron James and, uh, uh, and uh, the Golden State Warriors, excuse me, whenever they kept going to the finals over and over and over again, it was just like everyone would just go and just join those teams, and it just was never any fun. So... There is a, a changing of the guard, the turning of the page here, and it's it's yeah. slowly starting to kind of come around here, and it's it's exciting. Yeah. Anything, Dad? Um, go basketball. He's not the best color guy in the business for nothing, folks. So finally, just one <laughs> last thing is uh, Luka Doncic is the youngest player in the history of the NBA to finish in the top five of the NBA All-Star voting. Really? Not all-star. I'm sorry. MVP voting. Yeah. Excuse me. I knew so, it. <clears throat> so, yeah. Like, uh, once again, this this kid is just breaking all kinds of barriers, crazy, doing man. things that no one has ever seen before. and it, 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 So, he's living up to his name. and he, It's going to be great because he can only get better. And the last things here is that the thing – here's what – not the Mavericks offseason because I don't think that they need to do much of anything other than get Christoph Porzingis healthy. But what I think Luka needs to do during the offseason, he need he's he's a great assist guy. He can he can get his teammates the ball and get them in good spots. And he's a great scorer and creating opportunities, drive into the lane and all that. But really, he's not that good of a shooter. We talked a couple weeks ago about how behind the arc, whenever it comes to the starting five, Luka was the worst yeah. one on the team. Uh, yeah. He was the, he had the lowest shooting percentage of teams from last year, so he's got to get better at that. And then, believe it or not, he's got to get better at free throw shooting. During the uh, during the season, he was 75.8, which typically is, averages about 70. And then during the playoffs, he was 65.6%. And that's just not good enough because he's going to – because the way that all sports are is the high-end talents are going to get more calls than the other. That's just the way that it is. Whether it's right or wrong, is that's a different podcast, but that's just the way that it is. And if Luke is going to be getting to the line a whole bunch, if he's going to be getting all these benefit calls from the refs, he's got to – those those need to be automatic shots because back in the early 2000s, we got spoiled with Dirk and Steve Nash and those guys who were constantly over 95, 98%. And it's it's weird to see a team struggle that has had a history of being good at the line. 
Yeah, they're gonna start doing the the hack a chitch strategy. They're you know like 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 they did with Shaq. I don't know if he's that bad. Shaq was <laughs> Shaq was like below fifty percent. I, I I things would have gone so poorly if they have to start doing hack a donkchitch. You know, like it's. Let's hope it doesn't get to that point. But uh, that, that, those are just really the two main things. Like it's it's funny to look at a season where Luca set all these records and had all these moments and had his coming out party in the postseason and to look at it and say you still have things that you need to fix but there is stuff there and the yeah the best thing is is that he's young and he can do it <clears throat> yeah yeah for real so not much to speak on the basketball terms i just just a few things that i noticed and a few things that kind of jumped out at me this week but we can go ahead and move on to the rangers here uh, nice quick basketball one just transitioning into the rangers not as good of a week they and their last game to the angels just went final and they lost eight to five so technically yep. if you want to include the game today on september 21st 2020 the rangers went two and five so very much a step back from last week whenever it comes to records uh, they lost to the Astros twice, and now they've lost to the Angels three times. So not exactly the best week, and they had one win at each. So the it's not like they got swept, but that's okay. But the big the big news that kind of jumped out to me, and I'd love to get your opinion on this as well, is that John Daniels has finally finally committed to the rebuild he's always said that he wants to win with the guys that he has now and all that stuff and it's been a it, like he's been under a lot of scrutiny from this because a lot of people are looking at this saying these aren't the guys with whom you can win really anything and it's proven it right now on the field where they're probably going to finish worst league in the american league maybe the worst the worst league the worst record in the american league excuse me mm -hmm. or the worst record in all of baseball who yeah, knows they're, they're only a couple games up from the pirates for the worst record uh and so i <laughs> like and and john daniels has believed this whole time that this team is built to win now and i just don't know how you can look at this over the last few seasons and say that this team is built to win now i know that they won back-to-back -back aos titles in 15 and 16 but since then like they haven't really done anything yeah uh the the hard part with that is and i mean you know me i like i love john daniels i've said it before on the podcast even uh the hard thing with baseball is that it's hard to it's hard to commit to a rebuild when it's so hard to judge who's gonna be a good uh major league talent or not based on the guys that you have you know just because somebody's your top prospect or even the number one prospect in all of baseball that doesn't mean they're gonna pan out you know, uh, the number one draft pick of baseball, uh, the number one overall draft pick of baseball is, is not usually that big of a thing because it's very rare that you have just the can't miss guys. So that's like, it's, it's, I guess, bittersweet because in baseball, a rebuild could be quick or it could be, it could be a decade. You know what I mean? It's, the rebuild might end up being a re a complete restructure of your organization. Well, and see, because the problem is, is it's not because you talk about young prospects and you don't know how that's going to work in the and the top draft pick and stuff like that. But it's the problem is, is that John Daniels isn't committing to those draft picks. Yeah, they're not he, getting any chance. They're not getting any chance because like you signed Sinchu. Shin Su Chu to a long contract that is that has gotten in the way, and they've got outfielders that are ready to go. Yeah, that are down. And so, but the good news is, and he's it, Chu has actually done a lot better than I thought he would. But oh he, yeah. But he and but he's still like, it wasn't like he was 
breaking down barriers here. Like he's been he's been good, not not mediocre, not great. He's just been good enough he's to been where solid. yeah, where he's been solid. But this is his last year of his contract, and John Daniels was he didn't say that he was going to let him walk, but he did yeah, say choose gone, choose walk, choose choose gone. Then you're committing all this money to Elvis Andrews, who is riddled with injury problems over the last two seasons and then Rugnet Odor who's been very streaky like this like last week and then the week before he's looked pretty good yeah he has <clears throat> and it's one of those things that Chris Woodward has sat down with those two guys Elvis and Odor and said your jobs aren't safe your jobs yeah. aren't safe and you're competing for starting roles and maybe that woke up Rugnet Odor like who knows but like John Daniels has he has committed to the team will be younger going forward. He's he, yeah. he said that every See, heard, like 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 young prospects are gonna be getting their time next year. I heard they're gonna be one of the youngest teams in the league next year, is but basically what he said. <clears throat> so it's I wanna run down a couple of names of people who have gotten their chance this year, which I don't think that they really would have if there weren't injury problems, yep. obvi- obviously, but also the pandemic. I think the pandemic has kind of opened up the door for the a lot of these season. younger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I think that they want to try and get people up here. So a couple of names that uh, have jumped out at me was uh, Leota Tavares. Yes, last week. He's looked great. He's the fourth, the fourth youngest player uh, in the history of the Rangers franchise that has ever led off a game with a home run. On Saturday, and of course, Jurisson Profar was the youngest to do it, so mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that just because he does it, that he's going to be this great star. Because or Pro, even get Pro, a chance, or, yeah, or really even get a good chance. And I mean, and once again, like that's who knows whose fault that is. Like is injuries, that, man. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Two it's, years in a row. So here, so here's hoping that uh, that he that Leo uh, that. Leody Tavares. Leody Tavares pans out a little better than Profar, but you can only have what's in Profar, front of you. Profar's doing great. Yeah, he, yeah of course he is. So he just sometimes it's like it's like Nachushkin for the Colorado Avalanche. Like he left Dallas, got a new scenery and stuff like that, and did better. So hopefully mm-hmm. he can. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Leody Tavares can really find his footing here and really get going. Uh, one person who has not done well is uh, Nick Solak. He is. Six for 36 for a 167 batting average in his last 10 games. And then his slugging percentage is 339, which is the eighth lowest in the AL. Uh, and that I did not do that research. That is uh, TR Sullivan from Rangers.com. So don't uh, like I want to give credit where credit is due just in case anyone is listening here. So but that's still like crazy numbers because also he's hitting 333 against lefties, but only 222 against righties. So. It looks like that they know where the problem is here, and uh, that's something that'll definitely be addressed in the offseason. But Nick Solak kind of went from being this newest, latest, and greatest, yeah, shiny toy that the Rangers have, and now he's kind of come back down to earth. Well, that happens. You know of what course I mean? it does. It's a, it, that's, that's one of those things that, like, if this was a long season, you'd be going, well, he's in a, he's a little bit of a slump. If it goes for too long, then we'll start to worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, shoot, like, I don't know what shoot. What am I censoring myself? Oh, shucksy doodles. Poop. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but anybody can can just suck ass for a ten game span. You know what I mean? Like, I, if you if you pick out Michael Young's career, I'm sure you can find a ten game span where he was, 
you know, batting in the 150s. Yeah, of course. I mean, it just it just sucks because the the margin for error right now is it's, so it's small. Gone. It's yeah, gone. yeah, of course. Yeah, if, yeah. If there is anyone at all, so. now now the margin for error is huge because it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. For this so, season. Yeah, yeah. For, for this, this season. season. Yeah. It's just like get the guys out there, and that that's what made Saturday's game against uh, the Angels so great because that was like a good team win. Yeah. Because <clears throat> uh, even Odor was out there, and then um, uh, who else hit a home run that day? Gallo. Uh, Gallo did, and then so did uh, so did Sam Huff. Yep. Uh, so we'll we'll get there, but re- I think that the big story of that game on Saturday against the and I say Saturday, it was the twentieth of July, or July of September, excuse me. <laughs> um, so I think that the big story of that day was Kyle Cody, because he oh, yeah. he just recently got. Like he like this was his first time to ever like he was still on a limited pitch count. I think it wasn't even a pitch count. It was an inning count is what it was. Probably. And he hadn't pitched five innings in years because he two years ago he had the Tommy John surgery. And he doesn't he's not a player that shows a lot of emotion. And so after he got that final uh, that final strikeout to end the fifth inning, like he did like a little fist pump. And like it's really cool to see players that don't show a lot of emotion really get caught in the moment because Mm -hmm. really like these guys are just human beings out there competing and he wants to go out there and he wants to do those five innings and he got it and then he also retired um he retired the final 11 batters that he faced too so and he only pitched 61 pitches through five innings like that's if he if he wasn't on any kind of limitations we might be talking about his complete game victory yeah could be yeah and then finally, Sam Huff, he gets his first home run on Sunday, and it was a it was a very, very good at bat. He he lay he laid off several changeups to get the count to three one. And so of course they had to throw a pitch that was gonna be in the zone and mm-hmm. fastball right over the plate, and he took it and just started running around the bases. He said he didn't even realize like what had happened until he rounds second. And if you watch the replay, like you can see his face just kind of change as he's rounding second. You just see the 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 profile of his face going down to third, but you can just still see it in his face that he's like, "Holy shit! Like this really just happened. Like it, it, this is insane." So, yeah. with with a terrible week, you had that one really really good solid team game at the end of the week, and maybe like since the since this next season is the or this next week is the final week of the season, like maybe the Rangers can just kind of you take away that margin for error. You, you're just going out there having fun now. And we can really see what this team does for uh, that for this final week of the season. Yeah, six games left. They are facing. The Diamondbacks, which are only one game better than them, and the Astros for the final four games. So here's the hoping that they can knock the Astros below 500. Where They're probably they, not going to knock them out of the playoffs. But you don't think you don't think so? Are they are, are they like in a good solid playoff spot right now? Uh, they are. <clears throat> Let's look. Last I looked, they were just ahead of Seattle by like three or four games. But there's only six games left, and I'm imagining Seattle's probably gonna do what seattle does and lose most of those games so uh yeah oh sorry no not they're not ahead of seattle they are four games ahead of the angels right now so and then it seattle's behind them and then the rangers well, are behind seattle, them. seattle's technically tied seattle has seven games left okay okay uh but they yeah they're 10 games back from the astros and nobody's catching the a's so sweeping sweeping the astros could potentially knock them out of the playoffs like it's still a legit possibility yeah, it's still a legit possibility, but we we would need the Angels and or Seattle to uh, 
you know what? As long as the Rangers can to win those games, you want to talk about a middle finger to this organization? Oh. <laughs> Could you imagine they go like the Rangers are the last place team in the American League West, damn near the last place team in the American League, and they go into Houston and they end up sweeping them to knock them out of the playoffs? That would be just so poetic just because of how everyone wants to really just go at them and throw at them like this this will be one of those things where you it's, beat them on the field that's it's actually in arlington oh it's in arlington no, no i thought the well i don't know where it is fuck it. it they're playing it somewhere it doesn't matter it yeah yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. it just it would just be great it's just great if they could go into if they can go into the series with Houston, regardless where it's played, and sweep them, and then the Angels or the Mariners, who cares, really catch fire, and they find a way to sneak into the playoffs, and Houston misses, uh, God, that would just be so great. Uh, uh. Exactly. So here we go. <clears throat> Moving on to my favorite, one of my favorite segments of the podcast, where we've got FC Dallas. Once again, another week has come, another week is gone, and I'm still here for you guys. And you know what? <laughs> Guess who showed up this week for FC Dallas? Or guess who showed up this week for me? FC Dallas. I'm getting a club soda. They are they are incredible right now. They are one of the hottest teams. Because we were talking about how they were facing Colorado last week, and it was a combination, or it was a game between the eighth and the ninth seed, respectfully, between the two teams in the Western Conference. Well, since then, Dallas has now won three straight. And they are now the third seed in the Western Conference with a 5-2-4 and four record. Whenever they played Colorado, they beat them 4-1. to one, And FC Dallas just dominated this whole game. Like, it really was reminiscent of that game one final against Tampa Bay. We'll get there. But, uh, it like, D- FC Dallas really took it to Colorado. They, they showed that they were the hungrier team. And then uh, Santiago uh, Mascara... He had a hat trick in this game, it, and he's the first FC Dallas player to have a hat trick since Michael uh, Barrios in July of 2018. So good for them. Uh, and then, of course, against supporting Can- uh, against Sporting Kansas City, they beat him three to two. And Franco Hara had two goals from this game. So combined between Frank O'Hara and Santiago Mascara, over the last three games, they have each combined to score six goals. So you want to talk about goal scoring and you want to see it, there's your two goal scorers right there. At 64-30 against the game uh, against Sporting Kansas City, Ryan Hollingstead came off the bench, and that was the guy that I said that was going to get a lot of big minutes because Jesse Cannon left to go play overseas. And he scores the game-winning goal in the fi- almost the final five minutes. So as close to a buzzer beater as you can get in soccer. Uh, and then finally, there was a red card issue on Brian Acosta, which almost which gave Sporting Kansas City a free kick. But uh, it didn't end up panning out, and FC Dallas ends up winning their third straight. So... Here we go. Next week, they have Atlanta, which is the 12th team in the in the Eastern Conference at 3-7-2. And, and now, Dallas has gone up from being middle of the pack in goal scoring. Now, they are 8th in goals scored in the entire MLS. So, you want to talk about seeing some goal scoring? FC Dallas is starting to get them into the back of the net. And uh, then, finally... You've got Orlando, who is, this will be, I think, the game of the week in the entire Major League Soccer 
uh, sport because FC Dallas, third in the West. Orlando is third in the Eastern Conference. They are 6-2-4, and four, and so they have one win than FC Dallas does. And then if you want to really talk about like the matchup that comes with this game, they are pretty much even across the board on every aspect. If my phone would hurry up, I have it pulled up here. Shots, FC Dallas is 18th in the league. Orlando is 15th. Shots on target, FC Dallas 10th. Uh, Orlando is 9th. Goals, 8th for Dallas, 4th for Orlando. Passes, 13th and 12th. Completed passes, 14th and 9th. Uh, crosses, FC Dallas has them at 4th and 13th. Long balls, 16th and 25th. 4th and 8th for tackles attempted. 5th and 8th for tackles succeeded. And then 20th and 27th for... Or 20th and 17th for fouls. So the, the teams play aggressive. They score a lot of goals. And they do it cleanly. So here's... Uh, if, you're, if you're not going to watch a single MLS game all year, that game against Orlando that's next week on the 27th, you need to tune in and watch that. What channel? Usually it's on... Uh, channel 21 in the metroplex i don't know where it's going to be this week but you can definitely like there are there there are streaming options all over the place and that's going to be such a high profile game you're going to be able to stream it anywhere so i just say if you don't watch a single one this week make sure you tune in for that one because that one will be a good game i'll think about it (laughs) hey we got to think about it we got to think about it so we're (laughs) we're getting there fc dallas i promise we're going to get him one of these days honestly honestly what's what's talked me into or gotten me closer to thinking about it more than anything is uh fc dallas on twitter right now is as good as the stars it's they're 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 awesome you've got to have that presence online now like it's so funny and it's uh and what we can talk about this whenever we get to the stars but it was so funny watching the two airports go back and forth on twitter (laughs) and what a time to be alive you know so you have to like even airports, Twitter people have to be on their game. So yeah, if you, right. if you don't have a good Twitter game or whatever, a good social media presence, then you're you're really just not going to be able to succeed anymore. And it's crazy to think about that. So good on FC Dallas Twitter people. If you're listening, we will uh, we'll, we'll, we give you the shout out and the credit that you deserve. All right. So now that the soccer minute is passed, let's go on to the real football. The main. <laughs> You only can- All right. We're going to go on to football. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Cowboys here, which it was so funny because whenever right before we even like sat down to even discuss how we were going to discuss this, it was the game was so far out of hand and you would text me saying, yeah, maybe said, let's we, just gloss over the Cowboys. We this should week. just gloss over it this week. We wouldn't do that anyway, just because wah, wah. it's even, even if it's a bad week, like you still need to dissect it and see what happens in there because it's just with each game meaning so much, like whether it's good or bad, it's, it's just a lot more fun to dissect a win. So, well, I was going to say, let's gloss over it because I predicted that they would win and they weren't. So I just didn't want to look bad. But since they won, let's sit here let's, for a minute. All right, let's, 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 let's talk about I'm right, you're wrong. Okay, first of all, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was closer to being right than you were closer to being right. So it, 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 like, it I, came but down. But I was right. But you were right. You were right. But it seemed like You can't it, get so any it's... closer to being right than being right. So the Cowboys, <laughs> Cowboys fans, I got a beef with you first. 
beef, beef. There was, after the Atlanta Falcons' second touchdown, they were out there booing them already. Like this was like the first touchdown was were, in the, were there the fans the, there. The, the, yeah, there were. Yeah, it was like twenty five percent capacity. Because I, I saw that there were no Eagles fans there, and Not, they and they played booing crowd noise for Carson Wentz when he overthrew a ball. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! And that's that's so. The NHL is going to do that too. Whenever they uh, whenever they send out Gary Bettman to uh, uh, deliver the cup to whoever wins it, they've got boos programmed in. So that way, whenever he comes out on the ice, they're going to play fake crowd boos. For, for Gary, for Gary Bettman, is that, is that like a hockey he, thing? He's the NHL commissioner. Oh, I knew that. They oh no, yeah, it's, they always boo him. Like Gary Bettman gets booed everywhere he goes. <laughs> Even whenever the draft was in Dallas, like I was there, I was at that draft, and and I'm standing there, I'm cheering, being like, dude, you're you brought a draft, you're bringing a Winter Classic here, you you allowed a franchise to move here. Why in the hell would you guys boo? And then I'm looking around like, oh. These are other fans from like other cities that traveled all the way here because to come boo, not not to come boo to come, but they're booing because they're like, how are you going to have a draft in a non-traditional hockey market? Right. Yeah. So, but anyway, anyway, but I digress. Just getting booed everywhere that you go reminds me of uh, the final season of How I Met Your Mother, where it's uh, the guy from uh, Karate Kid and he calls his mom. And, and she's, she's like, boo. She's, I'm, I'm somebody's best man. She goes, you can come to Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's, that's Gary Bettman's life. You know that's, that's that's how Gary Bettman and Roger Goodell probably live their life. It's just everyone's booing them everywhere they go. So, but speaking of booing, I got to say, man, like I know that the Falcons score that second touchdown and it's early in the game and it's, it's not looking good. Yeah. But yet you're going to sit there and you're going to start booing the team before they even really get a chance to show it on the field here i just don't understand that like why like why would you i understand that you're frustrated but there's like booing people in the first quarter like there's still a lot of football left to be paid first be quarter, played first qu- first quarter first quarter of the second game yeah of the, yeah of the season it's and like early in the game early in the season so I, I like i'm just saying guys like i i know that it can be frustrating especially in an nfl season because it's not hockey it's not baseball it's not basketball where you're playing 80 plus games and yeah. every game matters and i understand that but you've got to be patient and if anything this team showed you through a little bit of time that they can come back so let's wait to boo until there's reasons to boo and we'll 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 kind of get into but boo mike mccarthy boo oh hold on we'll we will <laughs> uh, we will get into that did you see uh so dax fumble that he had dak had a phenomenal game like yeah. this was that game where you're like pay that man yeah stop oh, yeah. franchise tagging him it's- and give him his contract and now it's on you because the cowboys have waited too long and now they're gonna have to yep. pay him more than if they would have just paid him two three years ago instead of just franchise tagging him, franchise tagging him, franchise tagging him, they would have gotten him for a lot less money and it's easy to say that now with hindsight being what it is right but still he had this monster year last season and yeah, then you had- still franchise tag him like i don't understand <clears throat> pay that man his money that he is due but dax fumble he was going down and he tried to he had he had someone in front of him and he tried to kind of like shovel it to him and someone reaches out and hits his hand and knocks the ball loose. Just go down, man. Yeah. Like that's that's oh, one yeah, of those things where don't don't stop trying to be the hero, especially that early in the game. Yeah. I mean, is your what, fifth year in the league now? Yeah, you got to know better than that. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I like, and if it works, like if he does it and it oh, works, then, then you're like, like, oh, oh yeah, amazing. that's great. Yeah, so, but yeah. and it's easy for us to that's sit like, there and say like, like just Mahomes go down, throwing a pass when he's not looking. Like if that gets picked off ever. 
People are like, what is he doing? But when he's completing yeah. passes, they're like, he's a madman. I love it. Yeah, of course. So it's it, it, like I know that it's 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 a shame that we're sitting here like talking poorly about Dak Prescott. It was just that one moment. Yeah, that one. And, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get yeah. into his game overall later. But the thing I noticed with the fumble, just go down. Like yep. don't like just just take the sack. Just because all of Atlanta's points in that first half came off of turnovers. So you go down, who knows what happens, and you have a chance to uh you have a chance to really kind of keep the drive going rather than yeah. giving an easy field position. Yep. So Ezekiel Elliott's fumble, the one that he lost, was the second of the drive. And then <clears> once <throat> again, Cowboys fans are booing and it's just not looking good. And I understand. Like I really do. But the thing that I love about how this game played out is that Zeke actually had a very good game. He, it wasn't like stat wise, it's not so prevalent and in, in your face, but he had a hard fought, tough game where he would be taking, he would be taking hits and then he would just keep driving. Then someone else would come hit on the sand. He'd keep driving and he just would push the entire pile forward. And he, his touchdown that he had was another one of those hard fought, like tough nose football. And that's one of those things. First contact was made like three yards shy of the goal line. And he just, it makes you wonder, would Jason Garrett have trusted his back? as much as Mike McCarthy did in this game. I think that you lose two fumbles, you probably start... Jason Garrett playing it safe might start Starts thinking going to that... going Tony Pollard. Oh, dude, or either that or just like, nope, Dak, you just... You just keep throwing the ball because you're having a good game. You run the ball too, and then, then the opposing team picks up on that and then starts playing prevent defense. Not prevent, but like they start coming back, mm-hmm. keeping Dak Prescott in the pocket and contained, and like in a not dime a, package. yeah, like not allowing him to make the passes. And then the Cowboys lose the game. So I thought that yeah. that was very very good on Mike McCarthy to keep feeding Zeke. You know, like that's what everyone always says. Feed Zeke, feed Zeke. And he kept doing it. And I think that that's one of the big key things here that shows that whenever you have Jason Garrett, you have one way. And then Mike McCarthy is going to bring you a complete like I know that I was very critical saying that he was Jason Garrett with a ring, but constantly going back to Ezekiel Elliott for the rest of that game. That's brilliant. Great football. Shows how he got that ring. Of course. Of course. Matt Ryan. I can't say enough about this man. Like this dude had all day to throw back in the pocket. He like he was getting no pressure, never had to roll out. That's why he had such a monster day that he had. And I told I I said last week that the biggest problem here was going to be the Cowboys uh, secondary because no Byron Jones, 25th in the league in completion percentage. And Matt Ryan picked him apart all day long, even whenever things were looking really bleak. And the Cowboys were starting to make their comeback. Matt Ryan was still doing his thing. And Calvin Ridley, my God, like this is like, like he had two touchdowns and over a hundred yards last week. And he comes back and just does it all over again. Like, like there's just no stopping those two. And it's it. And with Julio Jones kind of reaggravating whatever it was that he hurt. I think Matt Ryan's got himself a new top target. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. Calvin Ridley definitely. There wasn't the same drop-off. Obviously, there's going to be a drop-off from if your number one is Julio Jones. There's going to be a little drop-off for you to your number two because Julio Jones is probably the best receiver of the decade. So, you know, there's going to be drop-off. But the fact that it wasn't as much as anybody was thinking it probably would have been just says all you need to know about Calvin Ridley. Oh, yeah, of course. So... Here's another thing. I really want to give Mike McCarthy more praise here. And a lot of people didn't like this because, once again, I have it starred 
Cowboys fans boo, but the first fake punt. The first one. The first fake punt. I love the aggression. Like, the aggressiveness. Like, I, I love it. Would Jason Garrett have done that? Because especially no. last week, whenever he did a fourth down play call that didn't work, and yet still, uh, you know that your defense isn't stopping their offense, and so you've got to do something to kind of change up things. So why not run it? R- run a fake punt. And it was ran perfectly. Just the punter just missed the missed the throw. So I love the aggressiveness, the the aggressiveness, and then uh, the Cowboys fans booing that. Like I'm telling you, your problem here was that Jason Garrett was not aggressive enough, and he played too safe. This is what you get with a coach that's aggressive. You're gonna get plays that you're gonna go. What are you thinking? And you can't boo those because you're the, you've been calling for change. This is your change, and now whenever it's here, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, and now you're just gonna sit there and and cry about it like i'm sorry you can't have it one way or the other you want jason garrett and his safe play and go eight and eight or mike mccarthy and maybe lose a game but also have this terrific comeback so it's like you can't have both ways yet like like not all aggressive plays are gonna work right yeah i know that i know that cowboys fans are very used to the jason garrett safe approach and mike mccarthy's gonna throw a wrench into that gear and it's 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 definitely gonna be a shock to the system for you guys for all of us, for all of us that are going to be watching the Cowboys games all year. So, first fake punt was great. Uh, there's still there was still plenty of time in the game. It's not like that that cost. Obviously, it didn't cost them the game, and nor would it have cost them the game. I don't think that even if the Cowboys lost, you wouldn't have looked at that one moment and been like, "Oh, that's where the tide turned." Um. So yeah. Uh, oh, here's okay. Here's one last play that I just loved from Alden Smith. Is Matt Ryan drops back and it's second and goal with 146 left on the clock and Matt Ryan steps back sees a hole open and goes through it and he's got a path to the end zone and he's he's about to go in and score and make it 27 uh 27 to 9 or no 27 to 7 going into the what what's the score Oh I'm sorry you were shaking your head I'm sorry Oh no, no he was no. he was about to make it even worse than what it was and uh, Alden Smith comes up with a huge tackle behind him, and and it keeps them, and it forces them to kick a field goal. That's what it was. It was it was seventeen to seven at that time, and then Matt Ryan runs it in. It would have ran it in, and it would yeah. have been worse going down. But instead, you're just down twenty. Are you were down? They only got twenty points on there, so instead of down twenty, yes, possibly twenty four. Instead of possibly down twenty four. So I do apologize for that. And so there was a uh, so there was that one huge moment that just is forever will just be kind of lost in the history of football. But that was such a huge moment right there, especially for a guy like Alden Smith who has this history and all this stuff. And uh, it's good to see that he's kind of like refinding himself in a new situation in a new team. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's that was the uh i mean this really was the tale of two halves though because oh yeah oh yeah because whenever uh once again mike mccarthy going back to ezekiel elliott like that was just so huge for the game for him well it started working out in yes the of half. course it did of course yeah. it did and if it like just look at the scoreboard and it shows that it that it ended up working cowboys were very balanced it wasn't they weren't one-dimensional because the coach was too afraid to go back to the back because maybe for a couple of drives there he didn't have his best game he let him kind of refine himself so you've got julio jones and his drop pass whenever uh whenever russell gage was back at quarterback in the wildcat mm-hmm. 
Julio Jones just beats his man and gets all the way down wide open, and uh, Russell Gage throws this perfect pass that falls right into his hands, and he just drops it. Very un-Julio Jones-esque. And the fact that uh, Dallas, or Dallas, the fact that Atlanta gets zero points on that drive because they were on Dallas's 41-yard line, and that's outside of their kicker's range. I mean, that's that would have been a 58-yard field goal. Like that's that would be a hell of a kick. So, and that was a third-down play. So they had to punt it back to him. So that was that was a. You could argue that that was the turning point of the game, but then the very next drive, uh, Amari Cooper has this phenomenal one-handed catch. And it was kind of like Dallas going right back at Atlanta and say, okay, well, we're going to try a long pass and we're going to execute it. It didn't yeah. end up, it didn't <clears> result <throat> in a touchdown. But once again, Mike McCarthy and his aggressiveness looking at yeah. it and going, yeah. let's go right back at him. Yeah. They're like, that's the two minute drive that you needed. I know that this wasn't at the two minute, but like you needed plays like that for the two minute drive last week. And I mean, and you got it, then you got the pass interference call, but just still, like that play was just like that right there was the turning point of the game because it was showing Atlanta. It's like, okay, you tried to get cute and you tried to go down and score and you almost did it, but it doesn't count if you don't actually execute it properly. We're going to go down and we are going to execute it properly. We're going to take it right back at you. We don't care what the score is. Yeah. And the, I mean, the two minute drill for Dallas this week really started at about five and a half minutes left in the game. So, like, <clears throat> it's just that's that was the craziest thing for me. It was like the point where you think, okay, mathematically they're out of it. They can't do it anymore. They can't come back. They kept scoring right when they got backed up against the wall. As soon as they had to, they they pulled it out and they kept scoring yeah no and even still like after that drive and after that touchdown that dallas got after amari cooper's uh touchdown the falcons go right back down score a touchdown matt ryan gets his fourth touchdown of the day through the air and that was probably his best pass of the entire afternoon uh he threw it right through Wouzier and woods uh and it was just uh and russell gage was the one that made the catch and it was it was just such a phenomenal pass and that would once again Cowboys showing that resolve that saying like, hey, look, they like we scored. We got a big touchdown. Then Atlanta comes right back down and scores right back at us. Well, we're going to take it right back to them. So with uh, and so then you get into the second fake punt. First of all, why do you run on a fourth and five? Because the it showed that you the punter's probably not ready to pass and it, all that stuff. But still, if that's the case, if you don't have the confidence in your punter throwing it like he did last time, whenever it just whenever he whiffed it, then just punt it. Just punt it. Yeah, just punt, just punt it away. Because you, like like I like the aggressive the the aggressiveness on the first fake punt. The second fake punt, it's kind of more obvious. They're 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 kind of ready for it at that point. And and I I just I just don't get that. You do it once, it's fine little too much uh, going yeah. going into it a second time. So I, yeah. I just think you just punt that ball away. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like trying a reverse and it not working and then trying to do a reverse pass. It's like well, the reverse didn't work. Why would the pass work? Yeah. Yeah. So they got a they like that. Like the aggressiveness is fine. That, that was just a little bit too much. Like just don't 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 be so uh, don't be so transparent. There. Yeah. So yeah. It, just once again, that's Mike McCarthy for you. Like it's just you love him. You love him. And then you go, what? And then you love him, you love him. It's just it's just the way that he coaches. So buckle up and get used to that. So at 7:27 to go in the game, it's 39-24 for uh, the the Falcons. Obviously, 
It's third and four. This is probably the most underrated play of this game. And it was, it's, it's, Great patience by Dak because what happens is is Dak Prescott steps back into the pocket. The pocket starts to collapse, and one of the Falcons' defensive ends is coming in through a massive hole in the offensive line. Somebody somewhere missed a block, yeah. and Dak Prescott fakes right, causes the defender to jump up into the air, and gives Dak Prescott enough time to roll left, and uh, he throws it. He had, I believe it was Cooper in front of him, but he had a guy that was just riding his back, and he could have tried to force it in to whichever receiver that was that was in front of him. But he had the field vision to see, who was it? Blake Bell, mm-hmm. way down the field. And Dak, he didn't rocket it to him. I think that a younger Dak would have done that. I think a younger Dak would have probably rolled around, and he would have saw that, and he would have just tried to rifle it to him. And uh, the the defender that was in front of the play would have probably been able to reach his hand up and knock it down. Yeah. But Dak Prescott, he doesn't even throw it. It's like a little loft. He like, he lofts it up and over right into Blake Bell's hands. And it, if you don't get that first down, you have to go for it fourth and four and who knows what happens there. But Dak Prescott, what a beautiful play by that man. Pay this man, pay him because he has earned it. So they end up getting a touchdown out of that drive and the Cowboys go for two there. I know if you kick the extra point, it's a one-score game. You're down eight. But if you go for two and you get it, then you're up seven. Or not, you're you're only down seven, and you don't have to worry about doing the the two-point conversion then. So right. I, I liked the call for going for two there because if you don't get it, then you know what's in front of you. Rather than kicking the extra point and then going down, and then now you absolutely have to get this two-point conversion once you <clears> score. <throat> Rather than if you, right. if you fail, then you know what's ahead of you and you know what you need to do. And Zeke has had a monster game so far. And I loved, loved the play call where Zeke was trying to like run. Uh, it was like the Marshawn Lynch Super Bowl play. Like you've got Marshawn Lynch, give him the ball. Right. Don't audible out and throw it. And it's the same thing here. Give the ball to Zeke. I love the play call. I love the aggressiveness. Cowboys fans boo. I get why they boo. But still, like you, you forget, you forget that. At 12-23 of the third, it was 29-10. to 10. Right. And now, like, you're at this point. It, if they don't get it, you're like, oh, like, I can't believe they didn't get it, but let's go let's go right back at it and get them. Don't boo. Don't boo. Like, I, like once again, Cowboys fans, you need to have a little bit of patience here. Nah. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not going to happen. Nope. So We've been patient for 20 years. So the way that everyone knows now is everyone knows how this ends. Uh, the... That final drive for the touchdown and the field goal drive after the onside kick, that's that two-minute drill that I know that they probably practiced this week Yep, because of how bad it looked against the Rams. Oh, yeah. That was like the perfect two-minute drive, and they did it twice. So good good, good for them. Um, this, <laughs> What is Atlanta thinking? No. Like it's just like spin in there, drop down and get the ball. Like why are you going to sit there and let it go ten yards? Anyway, whatever. It worked out for it. <laughs> but this game right here, this game right here justified the Mike McCarthy hiring. It it, it did because it. I think if you have, I think if you have Jason Garrett, you lose that game a hundred times out of a hundred. I think Jason Garrett plays it too safe and goes, "Oh well, guys, we're going to go ahead and." We're going to go ahead and just pack this one in, and we're going to focus on Seattle next week. Mike McCarthy, very aggressive. Three times. Like, I've, I, like the word that I've been using for this whole time is aggressiveness and aggressive, and 
this is the way Mike McCarthy calls and stuff like that. Like, that's the way that it is. And this has just shown you that Mike McCarthy is here to change the way that the Cowboys football system is going to be ran. And that's why I say it's justified because it's it's the exact thing that you were crying for while Jason Garrett was the coach. Now you've got it. I think it's just too early to say that it's justified or not. Like, yes, you got that once, and that is what you brought him into town for, but you have no guarantee that this is really how it's going to be. You don't know that until you get there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's how Mike McCarthy's always been, but he's also never coached for Jerry Jones before. So you can say all you want, like, oh, well, this justifies the hiring, and Cowboys fans are sitting back and going, well, it's still Jerry Jones. You know what I mean? Like Jerry Jones wouldn't leave Bill Parcells alone to do what he does. Like what makes you think he's going to leave Mike McCarthy alone? Here's hoping that um, I think that Jerry Jones has kind of learned possibly a little bit the errors of his ways. And I mean, that's going to be something that has yet to be seen here. But I could easily Mike McCarthy's this blue collar Pittsburgh boy, you know, like he's he's going to come in and he doesn't take any shit off of anyone. And you could say the same thing about Bill Parcells, obviously. But uh, I think that Jerry Jones might have been a little bit too full of himself. He still is. But I mean, did you notice that uh, he was wearing his mask this week? Last week, he was not, and he was, he, like, they would they would go up to him in the press box, and he'd be sitting there touching his face and rubbing his eyes, and I'm sure someone came up to him and be like, Jerry, that's not good, like, that's 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 not, like, a good PR move there. You need to be wearing your mask, and there he is up in the press box like this, wearing his mask and stuff like Jerry. that, so. I think, uh, I, I, I just, I, I think that Jerry Jones will, oh, man, and it's so, it's so hard to say this, but I think Jerry Jones is going to leave Mike McCarthy alone. I think Jerry Jones that is gonna, might be the boldest thing you've said. Oh, well, on the podcast no, yet. I think that the boldest thing and the dumbest thing that I've said is, first of all, last week I said that the Cowboys would win the NFC East and then they'd have to go to Seattle to play the wild card game. Like, what an idiot. So I acknowledge that I said the wrong thing there. But the, also the other dumbest thing was, is I said that uh, Andy Dalton was going to take over for Dak Prescott. That man is not going to be taking over for Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott showed me who he was. This week, I uh, was I've I've been just as critical of him as probably anyone, and he he came out and said, "Get on my back, boys. Let's let's go ahead and just make this happen." So, I'm hoping. I the reason why I say that it justifies the hiring. It's just in this moment. I'm not talking about in the long run, but the only thing that we can use is what's in front of us. And this game right here was it, it's completely different. It's changed everything at least on how the season could have gone because they were quickly heading to 0 and 2. And now they're 1 and 1 and going to face a very good Seattle team and that looks a lot better than obviously being down 0 and 2. And I think if you have Jason Garrett, you're going into that game in Seattle down <laughs> 0 and 2 and not really quite frankly facing a team that is far superior than you in every way shape or form. Oh, you say that. But Seattle has yet the season Seattle has yet to keep anybody under 400 yards passing. I know it's only two games in, but they have given up 400 yards passing to each of their opponents. So, But they have Russell Wilson. I'm telling you, man, like Russell Wilson's the guy that's going to come through and he's just going to demolish this Cowboys team in two games this season. He has 610 yards passing, nine touchdowns, and one interception through two games. And it's not like he's facing teams that can't put up a good fight. Like, he faced the Patriots, who the Patriots are always the Patriots. 
regardless who they have at quarterback. It just matters who their head coach is. And then they faced Atlanta that showed that last week against Seattle that they can just be just as aggressive in the offensive on the offensive side of the ball as anyone. And they also showed it against the Cowboys this week. <clears throat> well, that's that's what I'm saying is I think it's going to be a shootout. Like, yeah, of I, course I, it is. And the thing about the NFL is shootouts end up being toss ups. Uh, yeah, of course. But I just I just don't see <clears throat> I just don't see the Cowboys going against Seattle and Oh no, I'm not saying I I don't I don't think they're going to win, but I don't think it's like just a foregone conclusion. You know what I mean? I think I think Dallas has showed you that uh if you want to if you want to play that game, they can play that game. You know what I mean? And they look like they're probably going to have to most times right with their defense. It looked so good at LA versus LA, a lie. Um <laughs> It looks so good at L.A., and then it did not look good against the Falcons. But granted, a lot of that was the field position, you know, the turnovers. Like, if you don't, those three turnovers, if those don't happen, that's 21 points right there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so. 20. Oh, yeah, you're right. 20 points. 20 points, yeah. But, uh, you know, so who, who knows what happens there. But, uh, I mean, that's great defenses bail their offenses out yeah oh yeah of course and we'll 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 i mean once again like you are right like in a shootout anyone can win and i i, I absolutely see this going to a shootout against seattle I, but i just think that russell wilson is just way more i think he's more proven and i just think that he's way more skilled than dak prescott and i mean i hope that this dude ends up proving me wrong because it'd be great to see them go against seattle and just come out with a win and then be two one whenever I had them going oh and three to start the season. Like if they can beat Seattle this week and they I think that they can just as well as they can beat anyone. And uh I think that um this will really show who the Cowboys are. Because they like they played an LA team that completely different than what they were last year. Yep. You have no idea what they were gonna do and they competed with them step by step. And then you go against the Falcons, who were blowing you out, and then you come in and come back and win. Yeah, had this amazing comeback. So I mean, the, the Cowboys are in a very good position here to really put themselves in the driver's seat in the NFC East because the Eagles are looking terrible so far. So bad, you know. It's like they're like they, they looked good at the opening part against um, against the Redskins, or I'm sorry, against the football, the Washington, the Washington football, football team. team, the Washington football team. I think that. Um, they looked good that first half, and then they just haven't been able to recover since. So uh, the door is open, and it's not just open for them to just sneak into the playoffs now. Mm-hmm. Like after this win, I know that this is a complete overreaction, but this is overreaction Monday here, and uh, I like I'm not I'm not calling for them to win the Super Bowl, but I think that my nine and se- my nine and seven prediction I think is going to be so wrong, and I can't wait to be wrong, and it's it's going to be fun to see this season play out, and I, I can't wait to see where it goes. Because this team has been good for a long time, it, their record just has not indicated how good they could be. Yeah, yeah, and or how, quite frankly, how good they should be. So it's yes. it's very exciting. So this game against Seattle is probably, I mean, every game is the most important game of the year because you have to go out and win it. But I think that looking back at the end of this season, this third game against Seattle is going to be the deciding factor of how the season is going to go for them. I think it could. Uh, 
I don't know if it necessarily will. I think there's, you know, a lot of turning points over the course of a 16 game season. You know, it's a long season, but I, I definitely, um, I'm definitely a lot more optimistic about the Cowboys than I was uh, going into halftime. <laughs> like I texted yeah, you, yeah, of I course. Said, I texted you and I said, I, if I see a uh, GIF of uh, Mike McCarthy clapping, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> I know, I know. But see, but you won't see that. Nope, you won't see that from Mike McCarthy, man. Like if you're down as big as they were, tw- uh, twenty nine to ten going into halftime, like it, you're not gonna see Mike McCarthy being this happy go lucky, we'll get him next time, guys, kind of thing. Like no, Mike McCarthy's gonna come out, and I was very critical about it last week. Whenever I said how full of himself he is, whenever he came out and said that the play call was a good play call, it just wasn't executed. To, like that's so far on fourth down plays here, he's looked good except for that run like every single call that he's done so far has looked like it's been the right call it just wasn't executed so my apologies to mike mccarthy i know that he's a very intent listener of this podcast and so i just want to let you know mike oh, yeah, i do apologize he's he's waiting up for it of course of course well you've got it now mike so enjoy sleeping tonight so let's go this ahead. doesn't come out till tomorrow so well well whenever he's listening to it tonight future mike mccarthy enjoy enjoy your sleeping because now you 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 now have my thumbs up of approval so thank you very much sir let's go ahead and uh let's go ahead and discuss this amazing still continuing stanley cup run for the dallas stars okay so first thing i want to say is hats off to the nhl for that opening ceremony like it was just it was just perfect especially considering how everything's going and we just didn't know what it was going to look like uh i love that they put the stanley cup in the building um normally that's not the case obviously because that's why whenever you go up three games to whatever on any team it's like oh the cup is in the building tonight now it's like one of the things that the uh that's one of the things that the coaches and the players use for motivation because the cup is here and it's ours yeah now the cup is watching the Stanley Cup finals. Like it just it's there and it's watching it. It, it, it. Probably the first time the cup has ever in the history of the cup been able to watch every single game of the final. I know that it's an inanimate object, but it's more than that to hockey fans and you just you just know that it, that that's enough to motivate both of these teams that it's like the the they and of course they're going to tell the media that the we don't notice it, and the cup isn't uh, like we're focusing on the moment and all that stuff. But you know that they're talking about it, and you know that they see it, and you know that they uh, they they want to get their hands on that, and that's just a little bit more motivation for them. So I love that the uh, the whole opening ceremony was beautiful. I did notice that the announcer who was calling out the players' names almost forgot Zach Bergogian's name. <laughs> he was they're going they, they Zach who Zach Bergogian Bergogian Bergogian. Zach Bogosian. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, anyway. So, the... Did that, did that throw you off? Yeah, it did. Okay, okay. and so I think... I'll, I think I'll, I'll no, moving on. No, moving on. Moving on. Starting... I think that uh, whenever John Cooper starts Blake Coleman, because he's a native from Plano. Yeah. And you know yeah. that... You know he did that to instantly get his head into the game because you know that that's going to be something that's going to be bothering Blake Coleman and it did he he ended up getting like getting two two penalties penalties the first period right yeah yeah uh no the ones in the first period the others in the second okay but and and those power plays that the stars had there they were amazing power plays and they looked good they did everything but score on it and it's and, and it really set the tone for the whole game 
And uh, I look for Blake Coleman to have a better game in game two. Like yeah. he, like he just will. I just think he had these nerves because he grew up obviously rooting for Dallas and he, this hockey player, I wanted Dallas to get him so badly at the trade deadline and Tampa just ended up pulling the trigger before they did. And, who knows how that would have looked and how that would have changed. Like would Blake Coleman have came into the stars, not going through the winter classic and not going through the firing of Jim Montgomery and the shitty start that they had. Like would he have been able to contribute to this team? I don't know. And I don't think so. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one thing that you can say about Dallas is they definitely look like a cohesive unit right now. And I think it's because of all the things that you mentioned, they've been through a lot of shit together as a team. And that's the thing. They've, they've all, because I don't think they made any moves at the trade deadline, did they? So they, they've all been there for this entire season. Yeah, I know. it's it, it, And it, that just shows to the team, if you make zero moves and you're a cup contender, that's the general manager saying, I don't need to do anything. You guys have got it, so go make it happen. Yep. So in the first period, uh, the first shot on goal was from Kivi Ranta. And this, this dude... Where Dude, in the hell? Yeah. Like we we knew about him, but we like we knew his name, but like, and he was always for Dallas Stars fans. Like he was always like the next person that was probably going to be called up on a consistent level. Yeah, but no one expected this out of uh-uh. this kid. So that first shot on Vasilevsky is that thing was just perfect and it it fooled him and it like Vasilevsky he went far side and he went to blocker it and he the the show how much he almost missed it it hit his blocker and it didn't bounce off to his right like it normally would have it uh-huh. came back and went into the left corner so it just Vasilevsky just threw his arm out and just and that was like right there setting the tone for the game yeah so it's it, and it's just from that moment there were just in the entire first period so many icings in those first 10 minutes for Tampa so many I, I don't have an exact count but it was just it was just them the, the stars just constantly berating them and they didn't know they don't know what to do so it's just like just, well fuck just, just get it get, out of the end just get rid of it yeah did you notice Pavelski's snow shower on Vasilevsky there yeah. <laughs> dude you know he did that shit on purpose oh yeah he did oh yeah he did and the announcer was like oh he was he was he was expecting that uh that cross pass and it never came like no he wasn't no he knew exactly what he was no, doing he wasn't. and you notice Tampa <laughs> didn't retaliate either None. Yeah. no retaliation yeah. like you snow our goalie you're gonna you're gonna get a fucking cross check or something like no way I don't even I don't care if I draw a penalty you're not doing that to my goalie and there was nothing so, like, you you can easily say that stuff like that was in Vasilevsky's head, and uh, it, it, he couldn't control any of his rebounds. I mean, th- like, the first period against Vegas was great, but this was just domination the whole way through. Yeah, because against Vegas, it was like, okay, we got the lead, and we're not, you know— like, we're going to chill out on offense, and we're just going to lock up on defense. You know, we'll take our shots, but we're not going to force anything. This one was— Oh man, all day taking shots at Vasilevsky and not giving any, not giving an inch on defense. And it's so funny too, because whenever the period ended, the shots on goal were five for Dallas, four for Tampa Bay. Yeah. There were more face-offs in the first period than there were shots on goal, like total. <laughs> and it, like, it didn't feel like it. Like it, it felt like that the shot should have been like 12, nothing well, Dallas. And it's it just, there were so many hits, man. Dude, it, I'm telling you, dude, they, they, they the, the stars and speaking of hits, Kiviranta, he does not get an assist for that first goal for Joel Hanley, but he should because he goes over there and just destroys Braden Point oh, with man. such with such a clean hit into the boards too. And he's been battling injuries this whole postseason. But then that that drew um, um, 
Bogosian. Bogosian. Ah, <laughs> it, yeah. it drew. I kept wanting to say Mark Stone. I'm like, no, no that's not it. No, it drew Bogosian out of place, man. It, and because because Bogosian was thinking that okay, they're gonna call a penalty or something. He was. And so he he was, just went right over there, and now he's out of position. And, he was trying to fight him, and Kiviranta's not gonna fight. He's just not. So he's like, oh, you're gonna take out my guy, and Kiviranta's like, Mm-mm, and skates away, <laughs> and then Joel no. Han- the, and then Joel Hanley comes in. Here's one thing that I did notice is that play by Rope Hints behind the net very reminiscent of a couple of goals that the stars have scored kiviranta's game seven goal was sekera behind the net giving it to kiviranta in the slot and then that first goal that jamie ben had against vegas in game five that started the comeback essel lindell goes right behind the net and he doesn't end up feeding it out front but he tries to skate around and it goes off leonard and goes straight to jamie ben so yeah that's got to be that stamp that Jim Neal and Rick Bonus was talking about whenever I think that's the wrinkle that they added in the uh, I, it, in the COVID break. I, I mean, it has to be, and that's it, that has been the game changer, and that's got to be something that you got to know that Tampa's going to pick up on, and they're not going to let you get behind the net that easily. So who knows? Maybe the, maybe the Stars can still impose their will like they have, but as of way Game One has looked, like it, or at least first period of Game One, like this is just all Dallas. Yeah, but to keep them from getting behind the net like that, they're probably going to have to soften up on some other. Uh, somewhere else in the defense and i and the stars are built to take advantage of that yes of course and so it's just and here's <laughs> and then right after that goal right after that goal Radulov and uh and barclay goudreau are uh they they are outside of the face-off circle and Radulov is just there just like poking him with a stick and uh goudreau ends up like trying to retaliate against Radulov, and it got so bad that they were like, just get in here and take the face off. Like, separate the two kids, get in here and take the face off. You're kicked out, you come in, you take it. Yeah. Right there, they're already in their heads. I know that they don't want, like, frustrating the opponent is not a part of their game. Yes, it is. And you know that that's what they're doing right there on that first goal, right before the face off, that gets the playback going again. Like, yeah. Like, like they're already in their heads at this point. Yeah. And so Pat Maroon, we're not not that play by Pat Maroon, <laughs> but there's a, there was another play where Pat Maroon, you can tell that he's trying to be the Ryan Reeves for them because Corey Perry falls to the ice and the puck is kind of off to his left and he, Corey Perry's sitting down on his backside and here comes Pat Maroon and he's just stabbing his stick at Corey Perry on purpose. And, you and the, s- the puck is on the other side. I know. And you look at Corey Perry, look up at him, and he just gives him this shrug. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is your they're best. For- and they're former teammates. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so they're, uh, uh, this is one of those things that Pat Maroon is trying to be Ryan Reeves, and you, sir, are no Ryan Reeves. Nah. You need to stick to your game, and you need to stop. You need to stop trying to get in the stars' heads and just let your play do it for you because as it's shown later on in the game, Whatever you try and do, it, it just makes no sense, and you're no good at it, sir. So let's let's go ahead and see how the rest of this series goes with Pat Maroon, but I just think that he's just eventually going to try to be this instigator and not get a whole lot out of it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I, I just I, I don't really see that working. And for one reason is the Stars are just, you know, they're coming off of a series where they had a guy like Ryan Reeves who, like, he's, he's as close to a goon as you see in modern hockey. I mean, I know he's got skill and I know he can, he can uh, play the game of hockey, but, but like his, it seems like his main goal out there is literally just to get into people's heads. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. He'll I mean, take his shots when he gets them, but he's not going to try to go out of his way to get into position for a shot. Yeah. I mean, he's, he is there like Ryan Reeves to be the instigator and to try and get 
especially whenever they feel like that the team needs a spark. Yeah. Like he'll go out there and try and do it. You just can't do it to this stars team. Like, like they're not going to, they're, they're not even going to bend that easy to hell with breaking. Like they're not going to bend that easy. And you've got to, you've got to up your game, man. Yeah. So I know that you have your, uh, I know that you had your opinions on, um, on Doc Emmerich, the guy who calls the game. The dude is so iconic, and I'm going to end up doing this thing called, I'm going to call Doc-isms, that every time that there's something absolutely hysterical that Doc Emmerich says, I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. He's t- there was a moment, it was after Maroon was trying to poke at Corey Perry while he's on the ground, and he was talking about how uh, Maroon and Alexiak both have the name Big Rig, and he yeah. asked he asked yeah. Jamie Alexiak. He goes, he goes, how do you think about that? And he goes, we'll see. And then Doc Emmerich goes, he goes, that's probably not what it meant about forty years ago. You know, like it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just so good. And I just, I love this guy so much. And he's just one of those, he's just one of those commentators that yeah. just, it, like, you just sit down. Once he starts going, you just sit down and you just listen. You smile because it, he's got so many stories about hockey and all the fun things that he could say. And it just the way that he says it. There's a moment in the first period again where Jamie Ben was trying to like reach for a puck. And missed it, and Sagan goes to get it, and he missed it, and it ended up going to a Tampa Bay player. <laughs> Doc Emmerich goes, Jamie Ben reaches for the puck. Tyler Sagan fails at getting the puck. Like it's just like little, <laughs> like little things that he says like that. It's yeah. just so, it's just so funny. Well, he just part of what bugged me at first is because I wasn't ready for him, and he sounds like a bad Jimmy Stewart impersonation. First of all, like I expected him to be like Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls, but. He, so he he had that, and then right out of the gate, he goes Kivaranta. Well, see, I think you're you're, 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 like, that, you're like, splitting hairs at here. At this point, though, how do you not know that how to pronounce his name? I mean, I, I think you're splitting hairs here. I think whenever he called him Kiverlanda, that was obviously a moment where he. I don't think he was ready to call his name for a goal because the, that goal that Vasilevsky gave up in the second period was. so super soft that might have been the softest goal that vasileski has given up this was, whole playoffs it was 10 ply and so super 10 ply man and so i just think that uh I, I just think that whenever he scored i just think that he wasn't ready for it and he goes whoa like what a great job by kivi ranta but also what a terrible job by vasileski and it was like a perfect storm of like holy shit what the hell just happened and i don't know what to i don't know how to handle it so uh so there was that. Uh, Essa Lindell, this guy is a bad, bad man. Like, he really is, dude. When, there, was a, there was a moment mm-hmm. where, once again, Braden Point has got a bullseye on him, and Essa Lindell comes and just cross-checks, like, illegally cross-checks Braden Point and gets away with it. And you oh, just, yeah. And he's, oh, one, yeah. he's one of those guys that he does a good job during the interviews of, like, answering the questions properly, and he's got this really deep voice and, it's, yeah. and, and that finished accent that he has. And you just think that he's probably going to – and he's not like he's this big, massive person. You just look at him, and you're just like, oh, yeah, like, I bet you he's good at hockey or whatever. But that dude, whenever he gets on the ice, it's – like, he turns it on and – Oh my gosh, if you get in his way, he is going to hurt you and hurt you hard. So I I just I Esselindel, there are so many people that are on this team that are the young son heroes, and Esselindel, he's getting a lot of credit, and people are talking about like how good he is of a defenseman, and that's good. But just the way that he can the way that he plays the game is just so impressive, and he just plays so hard and he hits you even harder. So, I, like, Esselindel, he is a bad, bad man. And once again, once he cross-checks Braden Point, 
No retaliation. Yeah. None from Tampa Bay. None. So uh, what are they? Uh, what are they doing? And so. I guess they knew that this fluky little goal that they scored was going to come. So, I, like, I don't know. But, but see, whenever they scored that goal and it bounces off of Hudobin, who does the right thing, deflects it, and it goes, it's going off into the corner of his right-hand side. And then it goes off Yanni Gord's stick, off of Hintz's, or, no, or Ronnie Gord's skate, yeah. off of Hintz's skate and in. Like, it's, as soon as I saw that that was the goal, I, like, I knew that that Ex- wasn't going to be like a turning point. Ex- explain that goal to me, by the way, because I know that you can't kick it in, right? But can it, it can deflect off of yes. the skate? Yes, it can, as long as there's no kicking motion. So you can even be skating into the crease and you slide to stop. And as you're sliding, if you're just sliding and it goes off your skate and in, like that goal is going to count. You just can't kick. You just can't kick. And what? And whenever you're sliding like that, like it's if you're sliding to stop, like it's it's up to more than likely if you're sliding, like it's it's hard to tell whether you kick it or not. But but if it just deflects off of your skate and in, and you're not kicking it, then it the goal's going to count. So that's 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 why that obviously that was a good goal. It just okay. So it just it was. I mean, I, fi- I figured it was because nobody was even questioning it. No, but not I, at all. You just can't kick it into the net with your okay. skate. Like you, the only way that you can force it forward is with your stick. Gotcha. Or uh, for a shot, at least. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. There, I, there I are other goals. Yeah. So, um, so, but even after that goal, the stars kept pushing and they kept pushing and they kept pushing, and you just knew that even though they got this fluky goal and it ends tied 1-1 the first period yeah yeah the first period ends tied 1-1 there are so many times that you can just sit there and say like oh well Dallas dominated that period but they're only the, but, they, but they're tied they're not even winning like like that's got to be deflating for that team nope. this wasn't one of those moments and it's nope. it's hard to explain it unless you see it it's it, like you you can't define what that is until you see it and it, it in that moment, you more so look at Tampa Bay and you say, yeah, you're tied, but the goal that you got was fluky. And yeah, like it really should be like three, four, nothing. Like y'all are the lucky ones going into yeah. the locker room. And yeah. they, they just kept it going in the second. Dude, I Dallas is uh, the Dallas stars have got to be this year have got to be one of the most resilient sports teams I've ever watched play. Like even the way that their games go, you know what I mean? Like, they go up and they're like you said, you know, most teams they would they would say oh, we dominated, but we're still tied and and feel a little bit deflated and maybe let the other team back in. Nope, not them. They're like ah, whatever. Like like yeah, we dominated. We just got to keep doing our thing and and uh, and you know the scoreboard showed it. Yeah, I it it, it I, 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 you just can't like. Like you, like you can only have like a finite amount of ways that you can say how awesome this team has been. I know we're running out. I think the the next, like the only thing left is uh, Stanley Cup champs. Uh, uh, I know that's uh, oh, man. So <laughs> second period, let's just we'll run through the second let's and third periods. Yeah, let's let's run, let's run through the second and third periods here. The second period, the Stars get out on an early power play with a slashing call from Coleman on Jason Dickinson who had just this amazing path to the net that was a great setup by Blake Como. He's fit in so well on the FCC line since Fox has been hurt. Yeah. So it, it's just been he like it, it, it's like he was meant to be on that line and it's good to see him getting rewarded the, because I keep talking about just how CCC great he's been. Line? The CCD line. Oh, CCD. CCD line now. I don't even know what that is. So uh so here we go. The Dallas Stars are 36.8% in their last 13 games on the power play. And then Tampa is 0 for 14 
and one for 19 over the last seven games on the power play. If the, if it keep like Tampa, that's one thing Tampa has to do, especially in the third period. Yeah. Whenever they were getting the chances, they were, yeah, they, yeah, they got the power plays and all that. Like, and you've got to capitalize on. And if they don't get that going, this is going to be over fast. Like, like if they if, if Tampa can't start scoring on the power play, because that's really honest, they're not going to beat the Stars five on five. Nope. They have to let the Stars beat themselves and get into penalty trouble. And it, right now, I think that the, that's one of those things. Like the Stars kind of have them where they want them. I think that's I think that's part of why they haven't been retaliating because you know they always catch the guy who retaliates. Yeah, possibly. And, and I, I mean, and look I what happened whenever probably, they did retaliate. They right. Scored a goal. Yeah. So. Sagan, I I do want to say this. Sagan has to be battling some sort of bug or an injury or something because his body language out there, he looks off, but he still got so many good chances, especially in this second period. He had had a couple of one-timers on that first power play, and then the shot that Radulov hit off the post— Sagan comes back in and he goes to just dump it right in because it's a slam dunk and Vasilevsky just, just makes this oh, amazing stick save. save, you know, great save. So that's one of those. I think 99% of goalies would go for the puck there and try to block the puck and Vasilevsky just knocks the stick out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's just, that's just crafty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. I mean, and Vasilevsky, like he won the, he won the Viesna last year. He was a finalist this year. And, uh, like, like he is that good. And it's, it, I mean, you're not like, you're not going to get those easy dump in goals on him. That's why it was so uh, incredible. Whenever Kiviranta scored his soft goal, like, like you, like, that's just a goal. You don't see him give up. And like, I don't know. I don't, I would not call that luck from Vasilevsky. Like he, obviously knew where the puck was did a good job of getting his stick down unfortunate for Sagan that's just been the playoffs for him but yeah as long as he keeps getting the good shots that he got in game one they're gonna start falling yeah oh yeah but then then you look at uh Alexiak or not is it Alexiak that scored the goal yes yeah okay so you look at Alexiak's goal it's almost the same thing except two major differences Alexiak goes top shelf and Vasilevsky does not know where that. No, he is. didn't. And it was what a move, first of all, by Alexander Radulov. Oh, for yeah, whenever that, he got that, he got the puck off the board, skating backwards, going turned, into spun, the slot, found the guy, man. And Ridiculous. then, and then what an even better move by Jamie Alexiak to shoot. Vasilevsky makes the blocker save and it falls right in front of him. He's got to reach for it a little bit, comes back around, goes to his backhand and just roofs it. What a shot by a defenseman, man. Yeah. Like it's just like that like it's just crazy to see something like that happen. And it's just thanks to Radulov, and I'm glad that Haskinen got also got a yeah. uh, got yeah. an assist on that because he's, he's, he's been on a he be, he's been on a little bit of a point skid, but I don't think that first of all, I don't think he cares. But no. it's, it's just good to see him get back on the board. Yeah. Uh and then after that second goal, Tampa had this push that it could have changed. Oh, no, no, no. It was right before. I'm sorry. Excuse me. It was right before the second goal where Tampa had this push where they hit a crossbar. Yeah. And that's one of those moments yeah. that if Tampa scores there. Game's and, totally and, different. Oh, and you're down to one. That's whenever you start to get that feeling of like, okay, well, the Stars have been playing great and Tampa's still dominating. So thank you to the crossbar, but also good job on the Dallas Stars defensive yep. team for, for being able to stay collected in that moment and then yep. turning it into a goal going right down after that crossbar and scoring. Yeah. So... And then let's let's talk about Anton Hudobin. I really I really want to. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Ooh. Let's talk about Anton Hudobin Throw because the notes out, man. Yeah, dude, the notes are gone because uh, because really the third the cool points are out the window. And you got me all twisted up in the game, man. So it started with Anton Hudobin's 
blocker save, I guess, if you want to call it that, whenever it flips up in the air in the second period, and Hudobin Hudobin drops the stick. He throws his stick, and I hate to say this because everyone is saying it, but it, it like this is what it is. Very Dominic Hasek esque. Like it just is throwing that stick, and yeah. he has he has the wherewithal to not try and he. It looks like he reaches up to grab it. He reaches, knows he can't, and brings and his blocker down and lets it. it fall to the ice, and then pulls, pushes it to his body. And then he just in a, in true Anton Hudobin fashion, just I got it. Like holds <laughs> it up to the ref, like it's like the ref is his dad, and being like, "Look what I got, dad." You know, it's just it's so funny. <laughs> And then the third period starts, and everyone wants to talk about how Tampa dominated that period and all that. If you want to look at the numbers, yes, they did. But if you want to look at the quality shots that they got, hardly any. Like, Two, it was three. all, yeah, it was all outside on the perimeter. It, it was very much like that series against Vegas. Like, if you want to take the blueprint, Where, you you take the blueprint from Vegas and put it in that third period, and that's what they did. Yeah, like the first two... Uh first two periods they were trying to get good shots and trying to trying to get their you know uh get their best chance of scoring and that that third period they were just like just just throw it maybe it'll get in maybe and maybe something will happen let's just throw it at the net there was a play and i can't remember if it was in the second or the third but there was a play where nikita kucherov was skating down the left side and he takes it and flings it backwards Mm-hmm. And it goes out to the line, and I can't remember which defenseman was back there. It might have been Yanni Gord. I can't remember, but someone was back there, and, and Nikita Kucherov missed the pass. And the NBC announcers were like, "Oh, Nikita Kucherov's so great!" Because and he is great. I'm not trying to say yeah. this sarcastically, but like, "Oh, Nikita Kucherov's vision is so great. He knew that someone was going to be there before they were even there." And blah blah blah. The very next time that Tampa goes down, Nikita Kucherov skating down the ice turns around and flings it, and the defenseman actually makes the catch, doesn't stop to survey the scene or anything, just throws it on net from distance, and Hudobin makes the save. So what I think it was is, is I think John Cooper was like, go down there, run this play, and skate it across. There's going to be no one in front of you. Throw it on net. Get a shot. Like, we don't care where from where the shots are coming. We just want shots right now. Yeah. And and so I don't think I don't think Kucherov knew. I think he knew someone was going to be there because it was part of the set play because the Stars were doing such a good job at keeping him on the outside mm-hmm. and not allowing shots. So this had to have been in the, the second period where they were, they're running set plays just to get a shot on goal. Yeah. I mean, that's just how dominant the Stars were. So you go into the third period, and Hudobin is... He had the shoulder save on Nikita Kucherov during one of the power plays, which was so huge. And one thing I noticed here, too, is that the announcers were not saying how tired Tampa was. They were saying how rested Dallas was. Because Anton Hudobin is back in his crease and slides over just a little bit, gets the the block on his shoulder. And they're like, that's the signs of a rested goaltender. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, even like like even the NBC and the national media is starting to notice where it's like, hey, this team is not just a benefit of a tired team that they're playing. Like, they make them tired. That's why they're tired. And and everyone's starting to realize it. And then that glove save that Anton Hudobin oh. had, that, that oh. right there is your – like, I tried to pause it and take a screenshot of it on my phone, but that's the Con Smythe picture right there, man. Like, it just it just is. And if Anton Hudobin keeps playing – I know that I'm a very big 
Very big. Um, You've got a raging Benner. Dude, I'm telling you, I just want Jamie Benn to get this con Smythe. But, dude, if Anton Udobin keeps playing like this, you don't have a choice. You've got to give it to him. And I would be just as happy. And you know what? This is this would be a great debate to have if whether or not they picked the right Dallas star for the right. con Smythe. Like, I, would, right. I, I, I hope that they— What a good I hope problem. That they, I hope that they fuck it up and pick, like— jason dickinson or something like it would just be so great it would be so great and then we're all going like what like why are we so upset about the con smythe trophy like who gives a shit so it's gonna be great game uh game game two is tonight uh as we well it's actually going on right now as we're recording once again i know and it's just it's it's fine we'll be we'll be great we're gonna sit down we're gonna go watch this game last time we recorded a podcast and then watched the game it turned out pretty well but i i was sitting there saying all last week how tampa and seven and i mean over this week just my my thoughts have changed whenever it came down to what it came down to it was whenever jamie ben didn't touch the clarence campbell bowl there's this and see this is why i like Sportsnet better than nbc because they know what's happening in that moment and nbc just doesn't know how to read it right it it would be like it would be like someone who knows basketball filming a tennis match like like they just don't understand right and that's not their fault but there was there's a moment where jamie ben skates up shakes the deputy commissioner's hand and Mm -hmm. gets on that red velvet carpet or whatever it is that they use and he's standing on the very edge couldn't get any further away from the trophy unless he was standing on the ice. Yeah. And I don't think that the Dallas Stars were talking about that. Like, okay, well, if we win, are we going to touch the trophy or not? It was it was just a foregone conclusion. We're not touching that thing. I See, I think that the team was standing there waiting to see what Jamie Benn was going to do. Are oh, you, yeah. are you going to touch it? And so there's a, there's a shot where uh, behind all of that, where you see Jamie Benn's back, and mm-hmm. you see the team standing there just watching him. And then Jamie Ben waves him over and they all come over. And even Dennis Garyanov is like, he's trying to kneel down on that red carpet. And he's like, I don't want to be near this thing and yeah. skates off it. Yeah. So it, like, I'm telling you, and then Tampa Bay goes and they touch the Prince of Wales trophy. Like, it's just, I think that Tampa views, they, they like to say that they had, that they're this resilient group and they face adversity. What was their adversity? It was, getting swept last year in the playoffs and it almost it, like their body language has kind of felt like as soon as they won that marathon overtime game against Columbus and they yeah. finally got a win like that was instantly gone so then they beat Columbus in five they beat Boston in five without their starting goalie and they beat the New York Islanders in six on this fluky like even the goal that they scored to win was like this little nothing like is it in is it in, in? the goal that Gary Onoff scored to beat Vegas to go to the the final that was skill man back of the net skill and it's nothing fluky and I and if Varlamov wasn't there for the uh the Sorelli goal I think that that puck hits the hits the post and then goes right back out like it doesn't even go in without Varlamov being there so also, and and then they touch the trophy. They pick up the trophy. John Cooper has this quote that's like, "Well, if you win a trophy, you pick it up." And the stars are like, "No, nope. okay, you enjoy that trophy. We're gonna enjoy the trophy that's up there, and we're gonna touch that one." And I, it's just Tampa came into this fully, fully, full of themselves. And the stars were the team that nobody believed could do anything. And it's only been one game, and I understand that. But it's been a. It was a hell dude. Of I'm a telling game. you, this this series might not even go six games. I think that the stars are going to take this thing in five, maybe four. And it's it it it's hard for me to say that because 
as 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 a lifelong hockey fan, every year that you do your bracket, you never pick a sweep. No. This is the highest level of competition in the world. You're not it's not easy to sweep. And I'm sitting here saying that it might happen. I've I've been around this game long and I've never played it, but I've been around and I've watched it long enough and uh, there it's just in the air, man. I think, I think if they win tonight Get your brooms ready. Dude, I'm telling you, if they and, and the beautiful thing is is that they're doing this while Tampa Bay is the home team. So that means that Tampa has the last line change. And yet Rick Bonus is such a hockey genius that he can still find a way as the away team to get that FCC line. I know it's FCD, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The FCC line out there with the Braden the CDC Point. Line. The CDC line. Yeah. Oh, God. The CDC <laughs> line out there with uh, with the Braden Point Nikita Kucherov line. Like, like, he still is such a hockey genius to, in order to make that happen. And if they win tonight, and now Dallas is the home team, and they get final change, yeah. how can you even think that that Rick Bonus is not going to be able to get the matchups he wants. Shit, he gets the matchups he wants whenever he's not even in control of what the matchups are. Yeah, and and I mean, you think about it this way: he was the assistant coach for John Cooper for how long? Like, you want to talk about a, uh, an assistant coach? Like, I think in that at that at that time, you the assistant coach has the upper hand. You know what I mean? Because this, this assistant coach knows what the head coach wants to do. Uh, obviously the head coach is going to listen to what the assistant coach has to say, but that doesn't mean that he knows exactly how bonus is going to run his team. He doesn't know, doesn't necessarily know exactly what bonus wants to do. Whereas bonus knows exactly what John Cooper's trying sure, to do. Sure. And I mean, in, in hockey assistant coaches are so important that uh, like, just because if you're the goalie coach, like you're running the goalies and you're the one that's going to be in charge of all that, and we're going to trust you. And that's why I think that Bonus even started Ben Bishop in that game against Colorado in Game 5, just because I think his goalie coach come came to him and said, he's ready, let's do it. And and Rick Bonus was like, okay. Like, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust my goalies. And it's the same thing. Uh, so who knows if this is Rick Bonus getting the better of his old boss uh, or not. It's just, But once again, it's just one game. And uh, it's 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 very exciting, and everyone needs to really just enjoy this moment. Like I cannot stress this enough. Who knows how long it's going to be until we get back here again? If we ever are again in our lifetime, it's just everyone just please enjoy this moment. Even if the Stars lose these next four games and they go and they go down in Game Five, this is still like something that will be on our minds forever. We're always going to remember the Kiviranta. Uh, Hatrick overtime winner in Game Seven the, yeah, against the Colorado. Call. The finish call is great. Garyanov's goal is great. Uh, Joe Pavelski scoring with uh, scoring a hat trick with twelve and a half seconds left in yeah. Game Three against Calgary, like yeah. or Game Four against Calgary. Like it's just so many great moments. So just the, really, the, really, just appreciate it while the it's Radulov here. The Radulov shoulder goal, dude. The <laughs> dude, there are so many. There are so many moments. I mean, like. Like you can't just like narrow it down all to just one moment here, and there are just so many, and you you have to appreciate. I can't say this enough, and I'm gonna say this every week until that this is over. But you have to enjoy it while it's here because who knows whenever it's gonna be, whenever we're gonna get this opportunity again. Well, it might be over next time we record a podcast. So let's hope in that we are talking next week about a Dallas Stars championship. And I think that after uh, here's what I wanted. You know what? We'll 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 discuss this later. I don't want to I don't want to jinx anything, um, but we'll uh, we'll dis- we'll discuss all that off mic. But uh, but yeah, let's hope let's hope that the next time that we're here, that uh, we'll be talking about a Dallas Stars championship rather than 
the next game that might be coming. Hopefully there are no more games. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, and with that being said, you want to flare it out? You want me to flare it out? How about this? The Stars win the Cup next week. I'll flare it out with you. But right now, it's going, it's going so great. Uh, why, don't, why don't you do the flare out? I don't know if I want to do it. Maybe it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of losing this. See you all next week.